1: The Healing Word Program is a ministry of the Largo Community Church, where Christ is honored and people are loved. You're invited to join us in worship via live streaming this Sunday morning at either 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Visit LargoCC.org and click on Watch Live.
0: By prayer and confession, you clean up your lives. That's what we're going to do when we come to this table today.
1: It seems like battles are a part of our everyday life. If you're not in one right now, chances are you will be soon. On today's Healing Word broadcast, Pastor Jack Morris is going to tell us the secret to overcoming the battle. Let's join the pastor now for an introduction to today's message.
0: The sermon title today is, The Battle is the Lord's. That's the sermon title, The Battle is the Lord's friend we have battles you do and I do you can't live in this world without having battles and so many of God's people are losing the battle God has designed us and conditioned us and imparted faith into us to win the battles now when we go into the sanctuary the message I'm going to preach has to do with preparing to win the battle oh listen listen with your heart today we're going to help you to know how to be prepared for the battle. The battle's coming. Some of you are already in a battle. If you are in a battle, listen to the message. If you're not in a battle, listen to the message because the battle is coming. If you are prepared, if I am prepared properly, scripturally, biblically, we'll win the battle. Friend, you're a winner in Jesus. Let's go into the sanctuary and hear the message. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Can you say that with me? The battle is the Lord's. Now, I want you to remember that when you leave church. When you go home, when you go to work tomorrow, wherever you are. The battle is the Lord's. Now, I took that statement from 1 Samuel 17:47 when David charged Goliath and brought him down. The battle is the Lord's. But in all battles, including this battle, when the children of Israel... The people of God are going to root out the enemy and take over the land. The battle is the Lord's. Israel couldn't have done this on their own. They couldn't have won. They couldn't have rooted out the enemy. Neither can you win your battle on your own. Today we're going to look at how Israel is prepared to begin the battle. They're already across Jordan. We've followed them for weeks now. They're in the promised land. Thank God, thank God they finally got there. After 800 years ago, from that moment when they entered the land, 800 years prior to that, God promised that land to Abraham, their father. Abraham was the first person that ever believed and was brought to God by faith. So that's why he's referred to as the father of the faithful. Abraham received that promise. It took 800 years, not because God designed it to be 800 years, but the people of Israel, because of their murmuring, their stiff-necked, rebellious hearts, God had to wait all that time to get them spiritually ready to enter in and to receive this great blessing. Now, my friend today, oh, my heart is praying as I have prayed before, that this message will will touch your heart and help you to understand perhaps here's the reason why some prayers haven't been answered, why some victories have not yet been won, and why the battle in your life, in your home, in your finances, in your employment, wherever the battle is going on, why that battle is still going on. I truly believe that this message today perhaps will be an eye-opener that will cause all of us to come before God in humility and understand more completely and thoroughly how to receive God's blessing into our lives. Now, going back to Abraham, there was Abraham, the father of the faith. He was standing in the land of Canaan. God said, I'm going to give it to you, to your posterity, and to all who come after you. Abraham had a son. His son's name was Isaac. Isaac had a son whose name was Jacob. Jacob later, his name was changed to Israel. That's how they got the name Israel. These are the children of Jacob or the children of Israel. So Jacob or Israel was Abraham's grandson. Now, God had a tremendous blessing for his people, just as God has today and has always had, but we keep coming up short. But today, I believe we're going to learn how better to receive the blessing of God in our lives. So you and I are now in the promised land. We are now in the land of salvation. We are children of God. But now we need to go in and possess the land. There are many promises that God has given to us. Actually, there's a whole book full of promises. And most of us have just barely scratched the surface. We've crossed Jordan. We've left sin. We've crossed over into the kingdom of God. We're there. But here is a book full of promises. And God wants us to be a victorious promise redeeming people, and the Holy Spirit is now calling us to greater things and to higher levels in Him. A book full of promises. Look at all these pages. And we, many of us don't know what the promise is, and we wouldn't know that we got it if we got it. (laughs) So we have to know the promise. They knew where the land was. They knew they were in the land. You have to know that you've been redeemed. You can't guess, I'm going to heaven when I die. You have to know that you're saved and in Christ. If you know that, now you're a candidate for all the blessings of God in this book. But you've got to know the book. And when you know these promises, God's blessings are going to come in abundance upon you. There are many promises... Like the story I told some time ago about the young man that wrote a check. He wrote the check, tore it out of the checkbook, and with a big smile on his face he tossed it to the floor and both of us stood there and watched it. He goes down to the floor, hits the floor. He says, oh, it didn't bounce. He picks it up, hands it to me, said it's a good check. (laughs) Well, God doesn't bounce his promises. He doesn't make a promise. Then you take it to him and then, He, oh, I don't have the wherewithal to back it up. And to make it good. I can't make good on that promise. That has never happened one time. Since there's been an almighty God. It'll never happen. It just will not happen. So here are the the promises of God. But they are just words on paper. I had to take that check from that young man. And I had to go to the bank. Give it to the teller. Put it under there. The teller looked at it. Counted out the money. I took the money. Put it in my wallet. I cash that promissory note. Now, here are the notes. You can start tearing them out one at a time. There's that one. Tear that one out. Tear that one out. You can tear these promises out. Not literally. Don't tear them out literally. But every, every page is almost like a, a check in a checkbook with a promise. But we're not taking them to the bank of heaven, to the throne of God, and getting the pay. What good is a check that somebody gives me When I don't cash it, I just carry it around. I can't do anything with it. I have to get it cashed. So here I have this. I'm carrying it around. I have it. I hope I have it in my heart. God's ready to cash that check for me, make that promise good for me, heal, save, bless, relieve, on and on, whatever the need is, wherever the battle is, God's ready to do it. Friend, the Bible is but words on paper until you believe it and act upon it. And then heaven opens and the glory of God comes down and shines upon you. Oh, somebody's going to get blessed today. Somebody's going to go for the very first time. You're a Christian, but when this message is over, you're going to say, Aha! I hope everybody has an Aha! experience in the Lord today. The children of Israel are ready to go forth. Now, there's got to be preparation for battle. Any general that's going to enter into combat of any nation, America or any, that general makes sure makes sure that his troops are prepared. The troops have to be trained. Ammunition has to be stockpiled. Water and food has to be, be, be gathered in. Uh, all the equipment has to be put in place. Everything is planned out on paper. You just, a general just doesn't go to war unless there's a lot of preparation. Now, the children of Israel are going to go to war with these heathen nations and drive them out. There had to be some preparation. They didn't have to sharpen their swords and, and to get ready to go in that fashion or their chariots, but they had to get their hearts right with God. Hey, did you hear me? They had to have their hearts right. Right with God. And God said two things you have to do in consecration. The circumcision and the Passover. Do those two things. God said I'll be with you. I'll go forth in the the name of the Almighty. I'll bring every one of them down. Just give your hearts to me in consecration and re-consecration. And I'll be your almighty God to win every battle that the devil brings against you. Now circumcision corresponds to the Christian's water baptism, water baptism. Water baptism simply means repentance and confession. That's what that means. Uh, Otherwise, it's just a ritual. It's just a ceremony. When we go down in the water, we're saying, I'm dying to sin and to self Minister Hill has something in the bulletin for you who need to be baptized in water, but you need to go through the membership class first. You need to be adequately and completely informed, not just do like I did when I was a little boy. Everybody said, you need to be baptized, you need to be baptized, oh, you have to be baptized. I was baptized. They didn't tell me I needed to give my heart to Jesus and confess and repent my sins. It meant absolutely nothing to me, nothing. So now when I became a Christian, I was rebaptized. You're only supposed to be baptized one time, but confession and repentance is an experience that is lifelong. It continues on. So God is now telling the people of Israel you are already children of God, you are already the seed of Abraham. You don't have to become the seed of Abraham again, but you do need to cleanse your heart and keep your heart cleansed through confession and repentance. So we're baptized once, but we keep confessing and we keep repenting as sin comes into our lives, as temptation comes in, as battles come in, or the battle will win. There's a minister I know that lives in Massachusetts. He tells the story about, he has a little farm there now. He tells the story about how that when the frost comes, little pebbles come to the surface of of the ground. He said, I I went in and I moved the big boulders out. I wanted to plant a garden. I wanted that field to be a garden. He said, I moved the big boulders out, got everything ready. The winter passed. The frost was over. And he said, I looked out and said, there were little pebbles all over the place. They were right beneath the surface. And they came to the surface after the frost. He said, I had to go out and collect all of that up. Now, when we're baptized in water, we're moving the big boulders out. We have given our heart to the Lord. It has been a death and resurrection experience in the heart, and now we have demonstrated it in a very dramatic way. But as time goes on, there are cold spells that come into our life. And sometimes a Christian has a frost experience. It just comes over them. Things are happening. Battles come on. But then we begin to seek the Lord and all of a sudden God says, hey, there's some things in your life that you need to confess and repent of. Little pebbles coming up. Corinne and I were up in that area on a bus some years ago and we were touring. We drove up and then uh, we got a ticket on this tour bus and this lady told us about her country and the various houses and she went by and she said, now over there George Bush lives and she was pointing all of us out. And then She started telling us about her garden. She said, I have a nice little flower garden. She said, but after every frost, she said, little pebbles just fill that garden. And she said, I have to gather them up, and I think that I've got them all cleaned up now. And she said, I have a stack of pebbles. She said, the pebbles just keep coming and keep coming. She said, but I keep cleaning them up so I can have flowers. God wants your life to flower for Jesus. (laughs) But you've got to get rid of those pebbles. <laughs> you've to, they're, they're going to surface. Now today, prior to coming to this holy table, the Holy Spirit is working and talking to you. What is He doing? He's showing you some little pebbles. You need to confess to Him. Little sins, little attitudes, little dispositions, little hurts, little things you're carrying around. You, you, you've got to clean it up. You've got to clean it up. Israel had to re-consecrate in order to take Jericho down. Now, as long as you have those little pebbles, those little, I'll call them sins, little habits that you're you're still, you don't want to give up yet, well, you can have the habit and keep it, or you can have the victory and live in glory. Now, it's up to you. By prayer and confession, you clean up your lives. That's what we're going to do when we come to this table today. We're coming here to meet Jesus And God's going to bring His presence to us. But if there are those little unconfessed pebbles, friend, this then will be almost meaningless to you or completely meaningless to you. But if you have a face-to-face experience with Jesus, you'll have to confess to the Lord. Now, the children of Israel were, were going in. And God says, you're going to take that city down. Not by might, not by power, not by human effort, Not by human ingenuity, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, the spirit of God will not dwell where there is unconfessed sin, where there's unclean habits. We need to consecrate. We need to reconsecrate, reconsecrate, and reconsecrate again as long as we're in this world. We have to keep reconsecrating to the Lord in order to win the battle. Well, the night before the battle, Joshua is a, brought him over the Red. Uh, uh, Moses brought him over the Red Sea. Joshua brought him over Jordan. The night before the battle, here is Joshua, the commander, the military commander. The night before the battle, he couldn't sleep. He's out in the dark walking, his head is down. Now you think I'm making this up, don't you? <laughs> Joshua chapter five. Verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing. He was near Jericho. It's the night before the battle. Some of you are on the verge of a battle. You're in the vestibule. You don't know it yet, but you're in for a battle. Satan has laid a snare. He has prepared You used to belong to him. You don't belong to him now. He wants you back, and he's going to do everything in hell's power to bring you down. Some of you are already in a battle. You're in it right now, but some of you are going into it. Now, this commander, I'm sure his heart was heavy. He said he he looked up. That means his face was down. There was a heaviness. Every commander knows when they go into battle, there's going to be bloodshed, There's going to be death. There's going to be loss of limb. These were his people. There was Jericho. He he paced. He walked toward the city, and he looked off into the distance, and he saw that city, and he thought, my God, tomorrow is the day. After 800 years, tomorrow is the day. The scripture said, while he paced back and forth in that heaviness upon him, he looked up. Thank God. You know, that's the way to do it, isn't it? When heaviness comes, you look up. And when he looked up, he saw a man, a man with a sword drawn, standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? He saw a man. Now, the man identified himself, in verse 14, as the commander of the army of the Lord. This was none, listen, listen. This was none other than the pre-incarnated Lord Jesus Christ. This was before Jesus came into the world as a baby in Bethlehem. He had come to bring these people in and to give them victory. Friend, I'll tell you something. Oh, I've got to go on. I have so much I want to say. Joshua looked at this man and he asked him, Are you for us or are you for our enemy? Now notice what the man said. Neither. I'm not for you. I'm not for your enemies. What? I thought God was on my side. Friend, that's not the question. God is not going to identify with a human ally. God is saying, I'm not for you. The question is, are you for me? We want God on our side. Help me with my finances. Help me with this temptation. Help me get rid of this this habit that has been tormenting me. Help me deal with family conflict. Help me. God, come. Come. Be on my side. God to say, confess and repent of your sins. Go to the Lord's table and get on the Lord's side. It's God's side. Whose side are you on? Now, if you want God to fight your battles, the battle is the Lord. He'll fight it. But you've got to do it His way. Not with ugliness in your heart. Unconfessed sin. But you say, well, I don't pass... God knows it's not my fault. He said that. He did that. She said that. Friend, he, she, what? Makes no difference. Your heart is filled with something that is not of Jesus. You don't have the love of Jesus there. And as you confess, and as you repent, listen, when Jesus was on that cross, he could have said, I can, the Jews did this to me. The Gentiles did this to me. And start blaming and start blaming no father forgive them for they know not what they do now that's the kind of love you and i have to have in our heart if we're going to have a victory in the battle and when he said neither the angel the commander of the lord's army said neither he was saying you have to make sure you're on my side oh i prayed that this would be an eye-opener today That you'll now perhaps know, I'm still fighting a battle that I've been fighting a long time and I'm not winning. Friends, stop fighting the battle. The battle is the Lord's. Let the Lord fight it. But on your knees, in your heart before the Lord, am I right with God? My attitude, my disposition, the habits, my behavior, my actions, am I right with God? Then the Lord will show you. Then you'll come to this table and you'll say, Lord Jesus. You've cleansed me from my sin. I've reconsecrated to you. Now I can go out and in your name conquer and win, be victorious. Now notice it said, The battle is the Lord. The man was standing with a sword in his hand. He, he's ready to use that sword, the word of God, to bring blessing and to healing to you. He's ready. He can't be more ready. His sword is even drawn. He's ready to step in where you have failed over and over and over again. And He's ready to cut down and bring to death and destroy completely that that has tormented you for weeks, months, and years. Friend, are you on the Lord's side?
1: We hope you were blessed by the message, The Battle is the Lord's. As we learn today, being spiritually prepared to face the battles of life is a key to overcoming. By reaching out to God in prayer and spending time in His Word, we can overcome life's difficulties. We hope today's Healing Word has been a blessing and has encouraged your faith in God to grow. The Healing Word is a ministry of the Largo Community Church and exists to grow your faith in God and lead you to a closer walk with Jesus. But we can't do it alone. Will you consider partnering with Pastor Morris today by praying for the ministry and consider sending a gift to help us in reaching those who are struggling with life's challenges and need hope for tomorrow. You can make your tax-deductible donation in a matter of minutes by visiting our website, largocc.org. Click on the Healing Word and follow the Donations tab to complete your support of this vital ministry. You can also mail a check made out to The Healing Word to 1701 Enterprise Road in Bowie, Maryland, 20721. When you contact us, Pastor Morris will return a note of thanks and will lift your name up in prayer to God with heartfelt thanks and appreciation. Be sure to tune in tomorrow at this same time for another edition of The Healing Word. Until tomorrow, blessings on you.